take your seats, strap in, make sure that your seat back table is in the upright and locked position because we're ready to go on another edition of Midday. And hopefully on this flight we haven't overbooked. Yeah, please don't drag me and beat me as you were a little late to the, the plane. Game. We were thinking about dragging you out, kicking and screaming. Uh, it's just one of those days, you know. Yeah. Okay. Usually happens every Friday. It does seem to. We're dressed down here, a little more casual. Bob no, Rogan comes. Bob comes strolling in in his overalls, as usual. <laughs> yeah, I like to look casual. <laughs> overalls and dress shoes—that's a nice look, Bob. It is. I'm. Do I have my shirt? Yeah, I guess I do have my shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do to get comfortable back in the newsroom, don't they? Yes, yeah. I've got my shoes off too. But ooh, that's what that is. <laughs> right. Radio Theater of the Mind yeah. is helping us out on this one. It's another edition of uh, Midday on the Rural Radio Network. We better get down to business, and the brass tacks begin over here with with Mr. Gangwish. Hey, May is Beef Month, and the governor making that proclamation this morning. So, uh, Beef Month in Nebraska, the governor talking about that. We'll have more at 1213. Also, if it wasn't bad enough already for producers in the Southern Plains... As we now count up the cattle losses, thanks to that weekend blizzard, Shaley Peters will update us there. She'll also be in for our 117 with Lee Reeve, Garden City Area Livestock Producer. He's president-elect of the Kansas Livestock Association. They'll talk about the damage seen to the cattle herds over the last weekend snowstorm. Stoney Cooper, Mesonet Manager for Nebraska State Climate Office, filling in for Al Dutcher today. He'll be in at 1219. Give us an update on cooperative weather, maybe to get some field work done. We'll have to see about that. Looks like a good weekend anyway. And Jesse Harding with Kathleen Lodel, Associate Dean with UNL Extension. She's a 4-H administrator as well. They'll be discussing the next chapter program is what that's called. That'll be Newsmaker at 1245. Anything drying up over at Churchill Downs yet? No, rain is still falling today. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it'll be a sloppy track for the Kentucky Oaks, which is the second biggest race they actually have on the season. Mm-hmm. They hope no rain tomorrow, and then maybe things will dry up a little bit for the Kentucky Derby. But hopefully they don't get sprinkles in their mint juleps or whatever they do. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being the track manager trying to dry that track and smooth it out? Uh, that'd be a stressful gig this so. weekend, but I mean, they're used to it, but still. You do your best. But, yeah, you can't do anything about it. Don't want to get mud on those hats. No. Now, there should be no mud this weekend in Lincoln. You talk about a five-star weekend of weather yeah. for Nebraska's series with Rutgers. This might be a good chance for the Huskers to rack up some victories in conference play. Rutgers are 17-25 to on the year, 5-7 and of the Big Ten. Series starts tonight, 635 Central Time. Yes? Oh, okay. And, uh... Coming up in sports, we'll talk about uh, an NBA prospect who has his own line of shoe, and he's hoping that you'll pay $495 a pair. (laughs) Lonzo Ball from UCLA. (laughs) Well, let's move over to, we call him today, Shoeless Bob Brogan, and uh, a little bit... Little spray here for you. Yeah, I don't have a pair of those shoes, but I'm going to check those out online, and I'll make sure and pay the online sales tax too. <laughs> it would be nice. Wear them into the studio for that. But uh, meanwhile, uh, the government's reporting a pickup in hiring last month, and also Warren Buffett's getting ready to have his shareholders meeting in Omaha, and uh, lots of folks will be going to that. They always do. Always fun. Another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. 
Paul Perkins is waiting in the wings to bring us up to date on this gorgeous weekend that we have laid out in front of us. Yeah, especially today and tomorrow, light winds, so just perfect prospects for doing any kind of outdoor activities for today and tomorrow. And Sunday should be nicer this weekend than last weekend. And we're talking about nearly <laughs> summer-like temperatures uh-huh. here. This weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranking dealer in Holdridge, Holder, Lexington, and Ravenna. We do have that warming trend continuing, sunshine and light winds continuing for today and tomorrow. That's thanks to that high-pressure ridge moving overhead. Now, we will see a bit of a change for Sunday in central and eastern areas. Temperatures slightly cooler, but still very mild and a lot milder than what we saw last Sunday when we saw the snow across the area. It will be slightly cooler for Sunday. Stronger winds are a possibility thanks to a backdoor cold front dropping in from the northeast. And those that colder air is going to actually bring a lot of cold air to eastern areas of the country that we'll get to shortly. Slight chances for thunderstorms are back in the forecast for early next week. We'll see some low pressure organized over the four corners, and that will slowly move to the east. The high pressure ridge, though, limiting the storm coverage and keeping most areas dry until at least Wednesday evening. Thunderstorm chances increase Wednesday on into Thursday as that area of low pressure tracks across the plains. Friday into next weekend of next week will be cooler with little or no way in the rain of way of rain chances in our long-term forecast temperatures for nebraska expected to hover right around near normal to slightly warmer than normal in nebraska wednesday through may 18th now kansas temperatures on the other hand expected to be mostly cooler than normal wednesday through the 18th for precipitation nebraska and kansas starts out wetter than normal the middle of next week then we gradually trend drier than normal by may 18th Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning, mostly in the mid to upper 40s in Nebraska and Kansas. The exception, soil temperatures in the low 40s in northwest and north-central Nebraska, or if you're along and west of a line from Ord to North Platte. The weather factors driving market trade today include the wide variance in fieldwork chances and mild temperatures in the southern plains, but those variants in field work chances across the Midwest. Starting Sunday, frost could be a threat in portions of the Great Lakes and Northeast. That's that backdoor cold front that would be dropping into our area for a brief time as we head towards Sunday, but a lot colder air off towards the east, and once again, frost possible in the Great Lakes and Northeast. Warm weather will prevail in the next week across the nation's midsection, but cooler, rainy weather expected to cover and overspread much of the west. Rain and cold this weekend in the eastern Midwest will lead to more planting delays and slow development of already planted crops. The northern plains and western areas of the Midwest expected to be drier and warmer in the near term to help out with their field work. Showers, though, start to develop in the northern plains later in the weekend and early next week, but more dry weather should follow that. In the southern plains, it will be mostly dry and warm to improve conditions for wheat, but there will be a return to wet and cool conditions in the near term. Rain in Argentina this weekend and later next week may lead to harvest delays of corn and soybeans in the central growing belt. Harvest is progressing, though, slightly ahead of last year. Light to moderate rain in south-central Brazil expected through the weekend to help second crop corn. It's more than half pollinated right now. A drier trend farther north, though, will need to be watched for a possible late-season dryness. 
All right. We are looking forward to all of that, and especially this weekend that we, uh, quite frankly, I think we deserve. Yeah, exactly, especially after the snow that we saw. You know, there's some people still without power from the snowstorm. I know it. Yeah. It's hard to believe. It really is, yep. So our hearts go out to you if you're still dealing with that one. Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Vranky dealer. At, uh, you can get them at 308-995-4000. And, of course, when you need weather anytime, it's at krvn.com. Here's an update of Ag News. I'm Joe Gangbush on the Rural Radio Network. May is Beef Month, and Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts was joined by Nebraska Cattleman President Troy Stowater, Chairman of the Nebraska Beef Council Buck Werbein, and State Ag Director Greg Ibaugh today in Lincoln to make the proclamation. Governor Ricketts says Nebraska is again the largest red meat producer in the United States. The reason that is so important is because that livestock industry really rolls together the entire idea of value-added agriculture. When you think about the corn and soybean producers, but all the other people, whether it's uh, processors, meat packers, retail grocery stores, feed and grain sellers, all those people are dependent upon this industry. Ricketts says beef provides the opportunity for producers to add value to many of our agricultural products. He adds that since 2013, Nebraska has exported over a billion dollars worth of beef. And in 2016, we were the largest exporter. Cattlemen in western and southwestern Kansas felt Mother Nature's fury again last weekend. More on that from Shaley Peters. With up to 30 inches of snow blowing over parts of Kansas and eastern Colorado almost a week ago, cattlemen are again left to pick up the pieces. Garden City area producer and president-elect of the Kansas Livestock Association, Lee Reeves, says it's not just death loss they're worried about. The loss that we are going to take, and I think what I'm hearing is this is probably going to affect half the cattle on feed in the United States, is, is the weight loss. And, and you can pick any number that you want, but kind of the number I'm hearing is 30 to 40 pounds of, of loss on, on all the cattle. And that's kind of what we've experienced on the cattle we've, we've weighed up. So that's far the biggest number that, the loss number that we're all going to see. You know, everybody wants to talk about death loss, but it really wasn't that major. It's the, it's the weight loss that's going to hurt us all. KLA is reporting that this event qualifies producers for assistance under the USDA's Livestock Indemnity Program. And for more information on that, you can visit RuralRadio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. Big food companies are applauding the $3 million in funding tucked into the pending federal budget bill that will promote products with ingredients using genetically engineered crops as safe for public consumption. The funding will help counter the information, uh, or misinformation rather, about agriculture cultural biotechnology and social media and the public domain. That's according to the Grocery Manufacturers Association in a statement. Pushback over GMOs have been a headache for the food industry, with companies trying to delay labeling provisions passed during the last administration. China reached a new milestone in global acquisitions as shareholders of agro-giant Syngenta Ag approved a $43 billion takeover by China National Chemical Corporation, or ChemChina, sealing that country's biggest foreign deal to date. The hard work may just be starting, however, as China National Chemical, known as ChemChina, faces a series of challenges ranging from financing 
and also fusing the Swiss company into its own operations. ChemChina executives will have to manage a balancing act as they look to expand Syngenta's seed and pesticide businesses in China's fragmented and inefficient ag sector while ensuring stability at the Swiss company's operations here in the U.S. and also around the world. And North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper has vetoed legislation limiting certain monetary damages that neighbors of hog and poultry farm operations in his state can collect if a court determines the stench from animal waste is officially a nuisance. Cooper today vetoed the measure, which he says gives special protection to one industry and opens the door to weakening civil actions and other nuisance matters. Lots more ag news. Go to RuralRadio.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. Shaley Peters joining you now here on the Rural Radio Network. And this week, we uh, take a break from Al. He's out of the office, and we're going to visit with Mesonet Manager of Nebraska State Climate Office, Stoney Cooper. Let's jump right into the forecast. What can we expect weather-wise headed into this weekend, next week? I think a lot of people are looking forward to some of that warmer weather here. Yep, we do look to have some warmer weather coming our way. And thanks for having me back. When we look at Saturday, we're going to see the upper levels uh, ridge still over the Great Plains. A deep trough is over Pennsylvania, and a cutoff low is over Southern California. At the surface, it's going to be sunny throughout the Great Plains, lows in the mid-40s, highs in the 80s, Kansas and Colorado, and mid-70s in eastern Nebraska and Iowa. Kind of a quiet day. Sunday, that ridge starts to slide east with upper level low over southern Nevada. It'll be windy for much of the high plains, particularly from Grand Island West. The temperatures will be a repeat of Saturday. Um, We'll start to see some showers with the upper level low in the Rockies late on Sunday. Monday, although we still see ridging in the upper levels of the Great Plains, the impact of the incoming upper level low to our west starts to bring some unsettled weather to the Great Plains. Lows in the upper 40s to upper 50s. Increase the chance of rain west and along the Missouri River in eastern Nebraska. Tuesday, that upper low starts to break down just west of the listening area. And coming out of that is a surface area over Nebraska. Uh, lows will be in the 50s with highs in the 70s and 80s. It'll be cooler, though, where the showers are. And that's going to be pretty much in the uh, most of Nebraska, uh, Iowa, and South Dakota. The totals are going to be less than an inch, though, so it's going to be kind of late on Tuesday, or light on Tuesday. Wednesday, the upper-level low that's breaking down shifts east in the form of a trough. Rain chances continue, particularly from the Kansas-Nebraska border north, potential over an inch in north-central Iowa. Uh, upper 60s to low 70s uh, west for highs and mid-70s elsewhere. And Thursday, we have a ridging return to the far western edge of the listing area, with the backside of a trough over Iowa. Rain shifts south with potential for over two inches in north-central Kansas. Predominant chances for rain are from I-80 south, lows in the mid-40s west to 50s east, and 70s throughout for highs. Friday, the trough over Iowa now intensifies into a cutoff low, with surface low over Indiana, precipitation east of the listening area, with chances of an inch or more in Indiana and Ohio on southward. North breezes bring cooler temps to the Great Plains, upper 30s and 40s for lows and 60s for highs. As we look beyond that Friday, extended for Saturday through Friday of the following week, is projected to be warmer than normal over North Dakota and cooler than normal over eastern U.S. And the latest models show that we might get some drying so we can get back in the field. 
Stoney, you mentioned that precipitation. This is coming over some areas that have already received quite a bit of that rain and could cause further planting delays and other problems. Exactly. And as you think forward with this week, it might be time that you get out the deck of cards and try to relax because it doesn't look like you're going to get back out into those fields anytime soon unless you can get squeezed in on Sunday and Monday. But uh, otherwise, look forward to the next week, which it does show some drying out and hopefully enough that people can get back out there. All right. Thank you so much, President Manager of the Nebraska State Climate Office, Tony Cooper, visiting with us this week as he steps in for Al Dutcher. For more information, you can visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening here to the Rural Radio Network. You can't afford to be surprised by severe weather. Be prepared with KRVN's live Storm Center alerts on air, online, and on the go. Presented by Skeeter Barnes, the best beef and barbecue around, with locations in Kearney and Columbus, and by American Family Insurance, serving Lexington and Kearney. Depend on us for thunderstorm and tornado watch or warning information when you need it. Live Storm Center alerts on 880 KRVN. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the Husker baseball team returns home to host Rutgers this weekend for a three-game Big Ten series. Don't forget, it is Military Appreciation Weekend at Hawksfield, meeting all veterans and military personnel receive free general admission with military ID for all three games. Now, this past week was finals week for the Big Red, which meant no midweek games, and head coach Darren Erstad talks about how that could be a positive. You know, it doesn't give your your arms, uh, the bullpen arms, a chance to maybe, you know, reset and get get refreshed a little bit. Does it get guys off their feet for a few days? Absolutely. You know, from, from the physical side of things, we do have an opportunity to catch our breath a little bit. Mentally, they're probably going to grind this week as much as they ever will the entire year. Game one of the series starts tonight at 6.35 Central Time. The Huskers are currently 9-5-1 in Big Ten action. Rain continued to fall this morning at Churchill Downs, producing a sloppy track for the $1 million Kentucky Oaks later on this afternoon. Track officials have posted conditions as sloppy for the main track and good for races over the grass course. The Oaks, a premier event for three-year-old fillies, headlines the second-best attended day at the track. As for the Derby, the National Weather Service offers a glimmer of hope Hope tomorrow. The latest forecast calls for the rain to clear out by 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, leaving about five hours until post time for the track to actually dry out. Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby is skating again, but coach Mike Sullivan provided no update on when his star would be ready to return from a concussion. Crosby set out Pittsburgh's 3-2 victory in Game 4 of its Eastern Conference semifinal against Washington on Wednesday. He was diagnosed with his second concussion of the season after taking a cross-check in the head in Game 3. Now, the Penguins were given yesterday off, but Crosby was among several players who gathered at the team's practice facility for a workout. And the company, run by the outspoken father of top NBA prospect Lonzo Ball, has unveiled a signature shoe for the former UCLA star with an eye-popping price tag of $495 a pair. Of our balls, Big Baller brand unveiled the shoe this week and is taking pre-orders on its website. Now get this. The listing says the shoes will ship by November 24th. Now buyers may be out of luck if the shoes don't fit. The listing says there will be no refunds or exchanges. You would think for almost $500 for a pair of shoes, they could at least throw that in. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
today. Sunny with a high near 76. Southwest winds only 5 to 10 for tonight. A low of around 46 and another nice day tomorrow with a high near 82. Southwest winds at 5 to 10. From the newsroom, I'm Scott Foster. The University of Nebraska at Kearney has already weathered one round of budget cuts this year and is making preparations for a combination of known cost increases and reduced funding from the state for the next fiscal year. UNK Chancellor Doug Christensen summarized the situation. We're cutting a little over a million dollars in this campus, and uh, primarily that's coming from savings where we have not spent as much. We've slowed down. Uh, We've put some things off. We've... uh, had a hiring freeze. We've chosen to not spend some money on things and put them off for a little while. It should be able to get us through this year, but that's uh, just a small part of the problem. The real problem comes in the, the proposed uh, cuts and the uh, no-one cost increase that the university has will seriously put us in jeopardy. It's going to be very difficult, and uh, it's a huge challenge for the campus. I think they're up for it. But it it will not be easy. And uh, at this point, hopefully, we'll have enough people to satisfy our financial needs and uh, we'll have a great next year. Christensen said the university doesn't yet know the extent of the total cut for next year due to the ongoing budget debate currently underway in the unicameral. Republicans narrowly passed a bill to repeal and replace Obamacare. Secretary of Health and Human Services Tom Price is brushing off critics who say the new plan will allow insurers to charge more to insure people with pre-existing conditions. Well, it's pricing for what what, uh, individuals' health status is, and and, and that's important to appreciate. Somebody's going to pay for health coverage for for the the American people, and the question is, how do you do that? And, And right now what we're seeing is that the current plan doesn't work. The secretary speaking on Fox and Friends Friday morning. The Congressional Budget Office estimated that a previous version of the bill would result in 24 million Americans losing coverage. The CBO didn't score this bill that passed on Thursday. President Bush is urging the Senate to pass it. A former Omaha congressman and his wife are deciding which of them, if either, will run for Congress in 2018 after he lost the seat in November. Democrat Brad Ashford held the second congressional district seat from 2014 to 2016. He told the Omaha World-Herald on Thursday he's considering whether to challenge Representative Don Bacon, the Republican who ousted him last year. Ashford's wife, Ann Fairlick Ashford, had previously said she's considering a bid for the office, but on Thursday she said she'd step aside should her husband vie for the seat. Bacon spokesman Scott Peterson says voters have recently considered and rejected the Ashfords. Whether you miss a game or you need to replay that on-air interview, catch up with the podcast at krvn.com. From the News Center, I'm Scott Foster. A new opportunity for 4-H members for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Kathleen Lodel. She is Assistant Dean of Nebraska Extension and a 4-H Administrator. Kathleen, why don't you tell us a little bit about this program. It's called The Next Chapter. What is it and what does it really do for 4-H members? You know, Jesse, we're really excited about rolling this program out statewide. What Next Chapter really is, is designed to help young people figure out their next chapter. So if you think about the middle school experience being a chapter, going into high school as a chapter, and then the next chapter being what they do after high school in higher education or wherever life takes them. And this program is really designed to help them figure out what that needs to be, what it looks like, to really be college and career ready. 
And when it comes to some of these programs, there's been a big push here recently, maybe in the last five years, for those science, technology, and engineering classes, those STEM classes. Does this program really work with some of those programs through 4-H? It works through those and any other content area that the 4-H'er might be interested in. So what we really do in this program is it's for anyone who is in the 4-H club program, and as an 8th grader, they get pre-admitted to the University of Nebraska. Now, they still have to meet all the requirements of the university, but what this does is gives them some coaching and programming along the way so that they can really do that. So, for example, the students who are admitted to the Next Chapter program will get some experience in interviewing skills, in selecting a career pathway, so linking what they're passionate about, what they like doing, with a potential career, and then a potential major and how what kind of classes they take as they went into higher education. So there's that piece of it, along with just knowing some of the ins and outs about getting into higher education. What are the deadlines? What kinds of forms do they need to fill out? What about financial aid? How do they go about choosing from all the different majors that are out there to find one that best fits them? And at the same time, there's also some programming for their parents, because oftentimes parents don't know some of the things to think about or some of the ways that they can coach their young person. So this is all of that together through a four-year period so that by the time the student gets to be a junior, senior in high school, they really are ready for their next chapter. Is this really open up to any 4-H member in Nebraska that meets those age requirements? Is it certain areas? What does that look like? It's a statewide program, so we send out over 3,000 pre-admit letters earlier this year to those 4-Hers who are eligible. And then we had a group of them actually come to campus. Uh, We had 75 young people. We had their parents. And they really got to experience a little bit about what campus had to offer. Chancellor Ronnie Green welcomed the group and actually gave them certificates because there are inaugural next chapter participants and really who they are are the class of 2025 from the University of Nebraska so we're really excited about having them on board and having them walk through the process. What was the real purpose behind creating a concept like this, creating a group like this? What was the need? Well, one of the things that we hear from families across the state when we do needs assessments and really ask them how their 4-H program could serve them better is that there's somewhat of a gap between what kids like to do and how that relates to their next chapter, what they want to do as they graduate from high school. And certainly we want to link them with whatever their potential goals are, and we want them also to be thinking about that and thinking about how that could fit if they want to stay in Nebraska. Uh, We're hoping they want to do that. We're hoping they want to go to their University of Nebraska or some other higher education program in Nebraska. But we also want them to think about what those opportunities are so that they are purposefully making those decisions so that they're really connecting the dots between what they like and and what their future holds. Students can have a lot of busy schedules if they're involved in FFA, 4-H, of course, uh, sports as well. So how much time will this take for a student? And that's where there's some variety across the state of how the program's implemented. In some places, it's actually going to be during the school day. So some school systems have special classes around college readiness, and, and this will be a part of that. In some cases, it's going to be a special club, if you will, that meets maybe after school, in the morning before school, during lunch hour. So there's just a variety of of ways to participate and for those students who can't be there during the real live coursework um, they're going to be recorded sessions and so they can watch online at, at their own time. 
And you mentioned there was an event that happened at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln. What else were they able to do for that visit at UNL? That was really a time when they got to see some of the pieces of UNL that they might not otherwise see. So we did tours of the campus. We did a tour of Memorial Stadium, of course, because that's always a highlight. And then we spent some time with the different colleges. They had the opportunity to think about if there were a couple of careers they might be interested in, what were those? And then visit with college reps and students who are in those colleges now. So they kind of got a feel, well, what kinds of classes would you take? What kinds of things as a college student do you do now and do you wish you would have known when you were an eighth grader going into your freshman year that would have been helpful to you? How do you prepare? What kinds of things could you be doing in your high school career that will make you ready to be successful when you go into higher education? If someone is interested in learning out more about the Next Chapter program, they might have a student who's getting close to eighth grade as well. Where's the best avenue for them to learn more about this? Your local extension office is always a great place to learn more about 4-H and, and what's being offered. So certainly contact your local extension office, or you can go to the 4-H website, and that's 4-H.unl.edu. We've been talking with Kathleen Lodel. She's the Associate Dean with Nebraska Extension and also 4-H Administrator talking about the next chapter program for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Next, we talk with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities about the livestock futures as we continue the volatile trade. Tell us more. Oh, yes. Volatility is uh, at an extreme, and here we go again, limit moves. This time, down, and uh, we had the uh, June and August cattle finish limit down, and then uh, feeders through uh, uh, the month of uh, uh, January uh, closed limit down. So a pretty uh, difficult day uh, for the cattle. Uh, after yesterday's reversals, uh, we started out uh, uh, a little bit easier, and then uh, the cavalcade began, and uh, then we... Uh, uh, finished limit down. A lot of uh, uh, liquidation still taking place, uh, and that's this volatility is going to continue. I think for uh, for some time. Uh, you know, next week will be an interesting week to see what uh, what the cash trade is as a comparison to futures uh, trade. And uh, right now, I'd say that's a little bit up in the air. But I. Uh, have a suspicion that it might be uh, a little bit lower. Cutouts were uh, just a little bit higher, but boy, hardly any volume in the boxes at all today. So nothing to uh, spark uh, any kind of a rally uh, coming. Uh, On the other hand, uh, over in the hogs, uh, we finished mixed. Pretty quiet day, uh, back and forth. Cash looked uh, maybe a little bit closer to steady after having some pretty good uh, days, strong ups. But uh, for the week, uh, we're going to see cattle uh, finish lower, feeders lower, and hogs a little bit higher. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. We are just about a week out now from 
damaging weather that hit most of Kansas. And of course, the talk all week has been on the damage of a lot of the wheat crop in Kansas, but also the cattle feeders, cattlemen in Kansas and parts of Colorado are struggling with losses of cattle. And Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And as I visit here with Lee Reeve, he is a cattle feeder in the Garden City area of Kansas. And then also he is president-elect with the Kansas Livestock Association. Why don't you talk to us about some of the effects you saw from the snowstorm that came in this last weekend? Okay, well, let me let me start out by saying we had a really a pretty mild winter. We felt pretty lucky, but we got caught last weekend. You know, it started out on, on Friday. It was much like this Friday. It was a beautiful spring day. Friday night and Saturday, we had rain, and we got, oh, between an inch and a half and two inches of rain. And then early Sunday morning, it's the wind really came up, and it started snowing, and it was just it was just a mess. It was a one of those blinding snowstorms where you couldn't see anything, and immediately we lost our power just because of the of, of, of the violent weather, and uh, it lasted till Sunday evening. And about late Sunday evening, you know, the the sun came out, but it was still pretty windy, so we had a real low wind chill. All right, Lee, and we think about, you mentioned you guys are kind of in uh, feeder country, but there are cattlemen uh, to the north and south of you who were affected by quite a bit of snow, and then also the dairy guys. We've kind of heard that the heart of the, of the storm was north of here, around Scott City, and then, and then extreme southwest Kansas, the Elkhart, Johnson, in that area, where they had up to 30 inches of snow, which was just devastating for anybody there's a lot of dairies in that area and those especially the open lot dairies were pretty devastated now most of the cattle in this area would be in feed yards we we had some cattle turned out but not great number but most of those cattle just broke through the fences and were wandering miles you know down down the roads we don't have a lot of cow calf in this area but the the cows and calves were in this area were really devastated and I think there was a pretty good loss of some calves with that so most of the cattle would be in feed yards most of the feed yards lost their power but they got along fairly well with death loss you you hear stories of death loss higher death losses and some high risk risk cattle the regular cattle in the regular feed yards uh, had some death loss, but it didn't seem to be too extreme. Now, the loss that we are going to take, and I think what I'm hearing is this is probably going to affect half the cattle on feed in the United States, is, is the weight loss. And, and you can pick any number that you want, but kind of the number I'm hearing is 30 to 40 pounds of, of loss on, on all the cattle. And that's kind of what we've experienced on the cattle we've, we've weighed up. So that's going to be by, by far the biggest number that the loss number that we're all going to see. You know, everybody wants to talk about death loss, but it really wasn't that major. It's the it's the weight loss that's going to hurt us all. All right. Thank you, Lee. Lee Reeve, he is a cattle producer in the Garden City area of Kansas, also president-elect with the Kansas Livestock Association, talking to us today about some of the damage done by last week's snowstorm to cattlemen in that part of the state. A reminder here that the USDA's Farm Service Agency said that this weather event does qualify producers in the affected areas for disaster payments through the USDA's Livestock Indemnity Program. For more information, you can visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening here to the Rural Radio Network.
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Grains, well, they were mixed today. Corn and wheat higher, soybeans a little bit lower in the front months. We uh, get some comments here from John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. What did you make of this today? Pretty positive. I mean, I, I think for the week, given the, the, the action we saw in crude oil and then just the complete risk reversal we saw in cattle today, um, I, I, I'm pretty excited to, to be going home on the long side of things. I think, um, you know, weather is in our favor right now as far as the bulls go. You've got you've absorbed a lot of data, I think, in the short run here that could be negative. And, uh, you know, I think now it's about production. And finally, we're going to get into, once we get past this WASDE report, we'll probably It'll paint a rosy picture on Wednesday about what's coming down the pipe as far as carryout. But in my opinion, this market is so far away from knowing what is actually out there that uh, it's going to provide a lot of upside opportunity if something would change. And at this point, I, I've got producers I work with along the Mississippi River here who don't even know uh, if, if they're going to replant. I, I think the idea here is that, you know, it's like, what are they going to replant? But these guys might just take prevent plant at these prices uh, and just not even worry about it given, given the the time frame, the temperature, and just the price action. So uh, I think that's going to be booing support here. Um, we got a news break right before the close of, about bean oil that might affect beans. Uh, the International Trade Commission uh, imposed some anti-dumping duties on Argentina on biodiesel, which could bring some demand back our way and kind of really move the crush up, and that could increase some, some U.S. production, uh, which, in my opinion, is not priced in at all. So uh, shorter term, Probably more of the same sideways chop, but once we start figuring out what uh, the weather's going to look like into June and, and kind of what the planning stories are going to look like, we, we might have a movement on our hands in front of us. John, the, the traders, uh, are they still short bought? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the, the market, the market is, is set up like this. The paper is short. The physical is long. So the producers and the commercials, and you saw that in the ADM earnings this week, you know, Bungie and Cargill, both of them, I mean, they're choking on supply right now, and there isn't enough price action to really move it. So those folks are long, along with the producers in the bin. Once we figure out, I think the paper figures out where the new crop supplies are going to be, I think they, they could essentially change the story very quickly. Um, the fact that crude oil bounced today is a very good sign as well. So going home this weekend, if you're long, I, I feel pretty good about it. You know, the real decision you have on, on your hands is what are you going to do when you start seeing 380 on July corn? We haven't been above that level for a while as far as front month contracts go. If that pops above it, that, that's your decision point. Doing nothing here is easy in my opinion. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. Today's closing reports and commentary presented by Bank of Donovan, serving the community with integrity, professional and convenient banking, with a personal touch and friendly smile. Stand by for Fox Business, and in just a few moments, we'll check in with Nebraska State Grange and the Nebraska Cooperative Council.